Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Hey, Alex. Yeah, doing pretty well. It's um, been an interesting post-World Cup uh, period, but, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to be back and, uh, and watching the Tigers win. And then, obviously, the, the Cup disappointment, but at the same time, uh, I don't know if we were expecting all too much. So, yeah, things going going pretty well. Yeah, I guess we haven't had you back on since the uh, the World Cup break. So what have you made, I guess, of the format the other side of the World Cup and Rosinha's time in charge so far? Yeah, I found it really interesting. I think that uh, one of the things that if you watch the uh, the interview with him when he first came in is he kind of came in and I guess, you know, this is the, the line that you hear from most new managers is we want to play a certain brand of football and it'll take time. And, you know, whether that's just purely to buy themselves some time or uh, ask for some patience uh, from the fans. I, I think everything that he talked about in that interview, uh, he's delivered on. He, he talked about the brand of football and wanting to play out from the back and, and hold possession. And and he did say that the consequences of that will be that there'll be mistakes made and it will take a, you know, a fair bit of time for us to adjust. And, and I think that's exactly what we've seen. I thought the initial games, uh, uh, you know, I did read a lot into the, the frustrations uh, from the fans and, and I actually became quite frustrated, you know, just following Twitter and and seeing the, uh, I guess, the, the early naysayers uh, already kind of, uh, you know, jumping down his throat because it was exactly what he warned us about. And I think, you know, now that he's been given a period uh, and we've seen a few positive results, all of a sudden people are kind of more willing to to give him a chance. So I'm really, I'm really impressed with what he's done so far. And I, I like the way he speaks. Uh, I feel like um, because he's, you know, uh, already someone who is familiar and uh, the, the whole faithful are very fond of him to begin with. I think that definitely helps, uh, but he just fills me with a lot of optimism and it's, it's really hard to fault his start and what he's done with the squad so far. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a really great point on the way he speaks. I can't, I'm trying to think of the last manager we've had who's, I guess, spoken so well in the media. Maybe it was a Nigel Adkins, but I think with Rosinha, because it's actually backed up with, um, you know, good performances on the pitch, or as you say, it's sort of following what he's he's warning us for uh, about or um, what he's promising us. It's actually uh, quite an exciting appointment and, and quite an exciting period for the club so far. Um, I guess with this game against Fulham, even, you know, we're coming up against a side who are no slouches in the Premier League. I think they're sitting seventh or eighth in the table above teams like Chelsea. So, you know, they're, they're having quite a solid season. And um, obviously they didn't bring Alexander Mitrovic. There's probably a few other players that, that stayed out as well. But it, it, it was a still a, a strong lineup. You know, you're looking at Harry Wilson and, and guys like that in that starting 11, Tom Kearney as well, players that we're familiar with, um, who were part of that title-winning squad last season for them. So, to to really go toe to toe with them for most of the game, when admittedly we we were essentially putting out a second string side as well. So you sort of think our second string against theirs, we we actually matched it with them for large portions of the game. Yeah, it, I, I agree with that entirely. And I, I think as I kind of reflect on, you know, the the last five five and five years or so and beyond, I think the last time I felt this kind of level of optimism with the manager was probably uh, the Marco Silva reign in the Premier League because he came in and kind of tried to make a lot of wholesale changes. You know, he brought a lot of staff with him and he was very big on, you know, the nutrition of the players and how they were going to recover and all those types of things. Uh, and I, I think Rosinha really uh, has kind of appeared to be a very holistic manager. He wants the, the team playing a certain way. 
And um, he really believes in that philosophy. And I think that because he's like that, um, it's really nice to know that you don't have this wish-washy, uh, you know, manager that says one thing and then and then does another. It's He's kind of outlined his plans and seems very, uh, you know, hell-bent on sticking to it. So I think that's the part that has really impressed me so far. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I mean, a few really big positives out of this game as well, even def- even despite the defeat. Um, you, can't, you I mean, it's a 2-0 defeat, but really feels like it's just a 1-0 defeat. Personally, I think, you know, pushing everyone up for the trying to push an equaliser and conceding, that, yeah. that happens in football. I'm, I'm actually a bit surprised that there's people out on Twitter criticising Coyle for that second goal because, I mean, what's he supposed to do in that situation? It's a high ball bouncing over his head, basically, and, and it's always going to favour the attacker in that sense. Yeah, exactly right. And I, and that's the thing with with a player like Coyle is you know that he's not, uh, you know, that you, the qualities that he does has, you don't, does have rather, uh, you know that height's not going to be the thing where you expect him to be that central defender clearing things out of the box with his head. Uh, he's more zippy and uh, he'll run all day. And so, yeah, I agree. I didn't have too much uh, too much concern with, with the arguable mistake. Yeah, um, but yeah, positives out of the game. I thought um, Xavier Simons or Simmons from Chelsea really surprised me. I mean, we, we saw him for, I actually looked it up. I didn't realise that we'd only seen him for eight minutes previously this season against Swansea or someone like that. Um, but playing from the start in this one, um, you know, came to the club with uh, Vale as well, where Vale was probably the more highly rated player. But you wouldn't know it watching these two on the pitch because I thought Simmons was was fantastic. I mean, I think Rosinha sort of singled him out for for his pace, which isn't something you would have necessarily associated with him. But going toe-to-toe with um, Dan James, who's probably one of the fastest players going around, uh, was pretty impressive. Absolutely. And I guess it's one of those opportunities with a young player like that who, as you said, hasn't had as, as many minutes as I'm sure he would have hoped uh, coming out on that that's the loan spell. Uh, to really take the opportunity with both hands and you know get the praise from uh, from Rosinha nonetheless is uh, is a very uh, helpful uh, sign I guess for his confidence but also for us to know that there's uh, that level of depth in the ranks. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, and then also really great to see Benjamin Tete back from his long injury yeah. layoff. Um, you know, you sort of think we're playing at a certain level before he comes on the pitch and then he comes on and you just realise the level that he, he sort of elevates us to and, and what we've really missed in that in that time that he's been um, missing from the team. Um, you, you look at sort of uh, Oscar's form, I guess, as one of ex- one of those examples where he, he goes on his seven game, uh, seven goals and seven games run with Tete in the, in the lineup. Tete gets injured. I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, Oscar sort of struggles for form a little bit after that point. Um, but the sort of the space and the movement that he provides and, and the way that he can sort of bring the forwards into the game was just awesome to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And also for, for such a, a long-standing injury as well. I mean, it's, I don't know if this yeah. is a fair thing to say, but it's, it's almost like he was a forgotten man because he has been out uh, so long and similar to Ali. But I think perhaps Ali was the one that uh, we were a lot more aware of the return date and then, you know, touch wood. Now he's obviously been off and got himself injured again, but, uh, with that being said, uh, just the fact that you know Tede comes back, it's almost got to that has that feeling of a new signing, uh, given the fact that the World Cup's taken place and the managers changed, and there's there's so many different aspects about uh, you know, Tede coming back to the squad now at this particular time of the season. 
Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I guess the other element then talking about new signings, we did get to see Aaron Connolly off the bench. Um, you know, f- fair enough. It, it was it was pretty rusty. He was probably lacking a lot in match fitness. I think he's only played five games the first half of the season over in Italy. So um, Rossini said it himself that it's going to take him a little while to get up to up to pace. But I mean, when you sort of compare him to Tete's impact, you can see just how much further along in in I guess recovery is probably the right word to use. Um, Tete seems to be, and I think it'll take a little while before Connolly. We see the best of Connolly. Oh, absolutely. But I, I guess the the, uh, the luxury of that is is knowing that there is the depth there that, you know, Connolly does have to kind of, granted he is a name, he does have to prove his worth before he is yep. going to start getting those big minutes. And, and that's a healthy thing for the squad at, at this time as well. So, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I get. I guess um, the only other player I sort of wanted to single out, I don't know if there was anyone uh, you wanted to mention, but uh, Sean McLaughlin, I thought, at centre-back, um, there was a couple of times he'd sort of, he almost seemed to get caught on the ball where you kind of went, oh, geez, you know, Fulham are going to be in here. And he just sort of, somehow the ball stuck to his feet and managed to, you know, get through a couple of players. And he, his composure on the ball is 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 really great to see. And um, again, you know, we were calling for it first half of the season when um, Frigorado was making a couple of mistakes a week um, that we were hoping McLaughlin would get his chance and he's in the side and, and hopefully he's um, he's sort of a permanent fixture in it now. Yeah, absolutely. I was very impressed with McLaughlin. I'm, I'm glad that you did bring up his name because he was definitely the, the person that I thought was head and shoulders above um, mm. the rest. And I was really glad to see him uh, playing big minutes and, you know, performing the way he did because... Uh, I can remember seeing his praises, you know, countless times last season and uh, to have kind of had him disappear in the way that he has, uh, as you mentioned, with the Figueredo signing, um, sure will do his confidence uh, the world of good and really interested to see if he can reach the same height. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Okay, um, well, well, we'll talk a bit of off-field news now and then we'll go on to that Huddersfield game coming up this weekend. But we do have a few bits of transfer news to discuss. Um, obviously, the player that we've just mentioned there, Aaron Connolly, signing on loan from Brighton, um, was confirmed during the week. Uh, we sort of touched on it last week in the podcast. Um, the other one being Malcolm Ebioe, uh, I believe. I don't, I don't know quite how that's pronounced. Um, looks like that's over the line. I think Baz Cooper um, confirming that yesterday, so sounding like it could be confirmed today. Um, don't know if well, – I, I guess that probably means that he can be in the squad on the weekend um, if needed. Um, just your thoughts on, on both those players and what they can bring to the squad? Look, I, I don't know if, uh, if this is necessarily even addressing your question in any way, shape or form, but – I just don't know what world we're living in where you kind of read the media and all of the city papers uh, and the headlines kind of link us to a couple of players and we sign them straight away. Um, <laughs> it's it, Before, like gone to the days where there was 25 linked players and, you know, there's all sorts of, um, you know, really loose rumours going around and then, you know, fake tweets being tweeted that this person's on their way and then you'd have to go get the Google Translate and find out what the headline actually said. Um, it just almost seems too simple and it probably yeah. spe- speaks volumes as to, um, you know, the new uh, front office that we've got and the way that they go about their uh, their dealings. And again, you know, you, we talked about the, the early days and uh, I remember uh, what Ted Kessler said, you know, these are the types of things that, that they really want to, uh, you know, come true on is the types of people that they attract to the city. And uh, secondly, they want to be as transparent as they can with the fans, um, with the actual, uh, you know, dealings and signings of the players. So, I mean, that's one thing worth kind of stopping and and noting that uh, it's another great, uh, you know, tick on the, as far as the management of the club goes, because 
they're coming true on exactly what they promised the fans they would. So, look, I think two really promising signings. Um, I, as you mentioned, it's kind of um, like Connolly's going to take a while to get up to speed as well, and and that's kind of a known entity. But coming and getting these Premier League players that probably haven't had uh, you know the same amount of time, uh, it can go either way. I mean, as you as you mentioned, when um when we signed. Uh, what's my member uh, for, for Fulham who scored all the goals? Uh, Wilson. Harry, Harry oh, Wilson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Harry, Harry Wilson. And when we had Harry Wilson on loan, you know, it was he was somewhat of an unknown entity. And I really believe that his, his spell at Hull was the, the thing that kind of, you know, springboarded his uh, his career. Um, and so I guess that whenever you go in and get these, uh, these players that do have a, a lot of kind of plaudits and, and hype around them, but have maybe been out of the team or haven't been given the, the game time. Uh, yeah, there, there's somewhat of a risk, but uh, there's some huge excitement, I guess, from, uh, you know, getting that type of player in and anyone who steps back from the Premier League does have a point to prove. Uh, so I, I'm excited. Yeah, it certainly seems there's a lot of hype around um, Ebioe. Um, yeah. Had a couple of games for, for Derby last season. I think he scored a goal as well. So, um, seems to have a little bit of calibre about him. Um, I, I think the most exciting thing for me, as you sort of said before, is the fact that we've got the business wrapped up so early in the window. Um, and I'll put my hand up as one that was a little bit sceptical that they were over the line. I mean, we had Rosinia and Tan both coming out saying that ABOA uh, was done. And then after that, we saw a bit of news that QPR were after him, that he hadn't decided yet. And you sort of start to think, have we sort of gone a bit early on on kind of calling it a done deal? But as you said, you know, they're, they're, they're men of their word, you know, transparent in the sense that they're sort of saying, look, we're not going to say it's done unless we fully believe that it's done. Um, and and it's, it's, it's a matter of getting the business done in the first week or 10 days of the window. It means now that, I, I mean, potentially we bring somebody else in if, if we have a couple of players leave. But I'd almost expect that... Um, pending any sort of disasters, so so to speak, touch wood, that that's almost our main business done. Well, and, and the case in point, just to, to build on that as well, Alex, is you think about the signing of Connolly, who is a player that, you know, he's going to need some, some minutes and time to get up to speed. If you don't make that signing till the, the back end of January, you've kind of missed out on three or four, you know, game opportunities that um, that you can use usefully for him to, to get up to speed and, uh, I imagine he's going to be a huge part of the running. So it's just the there is you know worlds apart making a signing early in January and right at the back end of the transfer window. And and the panic that comes with making those transfers right on the deadline day when you know there's limited options and I mean to an extent it's what we did with Vale and Simmons um, in the summer window when we we sort of went in for them on the final day and we haven't really used them as much as we probably envisaged mm-hmm. because you kind of. You just go for what's available sometimes. So getting the business done early, it means that, look, if there is a bargain that comes up on the final day, you're in a position to assess it properly. Um, and yeah. I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, and look, I, I guess also good timing to get a couple of attacking reinforcements in because, as you mentioned earlier, um, talking about injury news now, um, we did have it confirmed that Ali will be out for four to six weeks. I mean, Mike and I sort of uh, joked about it last week in a sort of a dark humour sort of way that, Rosinia had said he'd come off as a precautionary substitution, but no doubt we'd find out a bit later on that that you know that might have been a bit of spin, and and he's actually been out for a decent amount of time, and unfortunately that has come true. Um, it does then raise questions because we then took Tete now back, um, making taking minutes off the bench against Fulham, 
um, you don't want to rush him back either because you don't want a similar sort of risk of re-injuring him. Do you do you sort of see um, Tete as, as now needing to be even more carefully eased back in following that issue with Ali? Look, it's it's a really interesting one. And I, I guess that we come at it from a standpoint of, you know, so far away and, and not really knowing the the most, like the medical staff of, of City obviously having the scans and knowing exactly what the the situation is and where they're at in the rehab. It's, it's hard to kind of make a fair assessment from, from this end. However, given the fact that the last results have been, you know, fairly promising, certainly from a, from a uh, league perspective, you kind of wonder if there's a huge urgency. You know, I know that mm. the, the kind of bottom three safety, it's, it's not a sure thing. And uh, I dare say we are, you know, a couple more results and we can really start to look up the table given how close the, uh, the championship is this season. Uh, but it, it doesn't seem at this point in time that there's a huge urgency to make such a, um, a swift kind of return um, for, for either of those guys. And so I think given the fact that we do have that squad depth, like we saw in the game against Fulham, uh, we're probably not in a position where we need to make uh, such critical calls. So I would prefer that they err on the side of caution, particularly over the next uh, you know three or four games before any uh, any drastic decisions to race any players back are, are there when we when we really know what our outlooks like uh, between now and May. Yeah, well, no, I 100% agree with you on that one. Uh, and then just the final point on off-field discussion, um, attendances. So we've got the announcement from the owner that there will be free travel to all away games for the remainder of the season, which I think is just a brilliant gesture. Look, I can't wait for my uh, my plane ticket to come in the mail because no doubt he'll be uh, jetting us over to watch a couple of games. But um, in all seriousness, I mean, you look at that crowd at, at Wigan 2,500 or something like that, It's um, I think Connolly... He called it out in his in his um, interview when he joined the club that the away following was just brilliant, and it's it's something that's starting to draw national attention that we do have um, a brilliant owner who who really does care about the fans. Oh, without a doubt, and I think that that's uh, as we keep saying, it's we, we can look at and we will look at at the end of this season when we go back and do our evaluation, and obviously sitting here in January, um, there's a lot more football to be played and. I guess the expectations will chop and change, um, you know, as the run-in kind of takes place. But we've talked about success staying up in the championship and just the the revitalised feeling that the club has with the new ownership and what it's meant for for the fans and the returning crowds. Um, it's just an incredible thing to see and, and witness. And, you know, to hear players speak into that as well about how good the travelling support is, players coming to the club and talking about, uh, that it's a it's a far cry from from what it was when, you know the the KCOM or the MKM was uh, honestly like what uh, an eighth pool. Uh, I, I, I was thinking that there was a lot of I, re- I reckon I went to the game with Sheffield United in um, I think it was Nigel Adkins' second season where I reckon the crowd would have been less than the fourteen thousand that we had against Fulham where you think yeah. you know. Cup, cup crowds are, are, are tend to be quite small crowds, but we're getting crowds there that we were getting uh, bigger than crowds that we're getting in league games in, in just a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, and so uh, the, the evidence or the proofs in the pudding when you when you think about that, and and that's what I've been really impressed at. So um, I, I kind of forgot what the question was. I've I've gone on a rant just fanboying the um, the, the new ownership, uh, but as um. <clears throat> I've lost my train of thought. What, what no, we're talking okay. about? Uh, the, the free away travel. The 
freeway travel and, and that's just another example of it that's uh, yeah. a huge a huge thing and it's great to see that for the fans particularly in the area of Hull you know people have done it tough post-COVID and talked about ticket pricing and so all of those things that were um, aired by the fans and um, and the supporters group to to the club you can see that the chairman has a very different perspective on what running a football club looks like and I guess this is just the the latest chapter in uh, reasons why people that are city fans are enjoying, um, you know, the, the rain under Azure so much. Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's do a round of um, who am I, and then we'll go into that preview of the Huddersfield game. So, are you ready for uh, your question? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So. I made 17 appearances on loan at City, scoring one goal before joining City permanently and making a further 102 appearances, scoring three goals, including a vital goal on the road to the club's promotion. Hmm. All right, you have to give me the next the next clue. Okay. Um, I reckon you might get it off this one, but we'll see. Um, so I joined City initially on loan in 2008 before signing permanently in 2009 and left City in 2015. Hmm. 2008, 2009. Uh, it, it, this, this can't be Paul McShane. It is. Well super, done. Super Macca. <laughs> super Macca, yeah. I, I, th- I threw in the comment about the uh, the promotion goal because I thought that might be a little little bit of a hint. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that was a huge hint. But I, I actually forgot about the, the loan spell initially. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. And, am I right in saying that he went out on loan as well? Yeah, he went out a couple of times. I think he went out to, uh, I want to say, Palace and Barnsley maybe because there, yeah. there was almost like – we got so so he joined he joined from Sunderland as a right back as well, which yeah. was the other weird element. But then so he joined from yeah. Sunderland, and then I'm I'm pretty sure when we got relegated, then the first few seasons under Pearson, I don't think he was really in the team at all. I think he was loaned out because he was just yeah. one of those Premier League players with wages, and you know had to go out yeah. and then kind of came back in under Bruce. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, was with us for quite a while to to only make when you think about it to only make a hundred and nineteen appearances all up when he was at the club for seven or eight years, it yeah. just kind of says a lot about yeah he was very much in and out of the side but has such a lasting impact with the supporters. It's, he's an, he's a funny one when I think about Paul McShane, I often think about the the resurgence in his career, but also with uh, with Alex Bruce as well. They're two players for us that you know were were largely not kind of recognised beyond, I guess, <laughs> I guess how they, the esteem that they were held amongst the City faithful. But like players who, as you said, would spend a lot of time out of the squad and would spend a lot of time on the bench. And then, I mean, I still firmly believe that one of the main reasons that we didn't win the, the FA Cup was because Alex Bruce came yeah. off. And, and I, I do remember uh, we went down the season where we played United on the last day. And I remember we were operating with a back three and, I still remember how good Paul McShane was in that final game. Um, and so certainly, I guess, when you think about him, one of the, the greatest fan favourites and, uh, you know, club club icons we'll, we'll ever see. I, I still think that I could probably dig up my Don't Sell McShane uh, shirt at home. Um, and, yeah, it was certainly a, a fantastic player. Brilliant. Um, yeah, speaking of Alex Bruce, actually, I don't know if you saw that I think it was the Wigan game. He and Wayne Rooney were in the crowd, no doubt supporting um, their mate Liam Rossini, uh, which is pretty yeah. cool. 
yeah, I, I did see yeah. that, and it's uh, it's, it's good to see that you know the time that that Rosinha did um, at Derby is obviously giving yeah. him some um, some pretty impressive links that you know may end up turning into players and uh, yeah down the track for us. No doubt. Um, okay, well, let's talk Huddersfield then. Um, you did sort of allude to it a bit earlier on that um, whilst we're not necessarily looking at the relegation zone with too much fear, um, a win against Huddersfield would certainly start to pull us much more into that top half and, and dare I say, top six discussion. Um, yeah. Huddersfield themselves in a bit of a decent run of form with two wins in their last five. I think it's three wins in their last six or seven as well when you look a bit further back. Um so, so maybe starting to turn a corner. I mean, one of those wins against Rotherham, another against Preston. So a bit of a hard gauge to get. But certainly a game when you look at, you know, in conjunction with the Wigan game and the Birmingham game, um, it's a really good opportunity to string a third win in a row together in the league and really start to put some good form on the board. Oh, you'd certainly hope so. Huddersfield are a club that I just hate playing. It feels like we've got an incredibly salty record against them. And uh, yeah. they always... Lost, lost our last five. And, and often when we play them, they are kind of dwindling around the uh, the bottom positions and always seem to to manage uh, pulling a result out against us. So it's certainly a fixture that uh, that I'm wary with, uh, wary of. But as you mentioned, the uh, three points against them would uh, would be a very fascinating uh, you know win to to see what that does to the championship ladder. Yeah, look, I, I've sort of described it as a banana skin in uh, in the preview of this episode because, as you say there, yeah, five win- five losses in a row against them um, certainly doesn't make for pretty reading. Um, you know, you've got Jordan Rhodes up front for them as well, who's one of those guys who, you know, he's probably coming to the twilight of, of his career, but on his day he's still got um, a bit of form about him. I think he's scored a couple of goals lately for them. Um I guess probably the biggest question for us, looking back at that last lineup in the league where Rosenia didn't make any changes from the Birmingham win, uh, obviously Ali coming out of that side now with that injury. Um, we talked just before about probably not rushing Tete back into the starting 11, but you're probably then looking at, um, I want to say, so Longman did start that game. So what dare I say you'd put maybe, um, look, it's probably a tough one. Would you put Slater up, up alongside um Longman and then you put Tufan in a starting role like it's it's sort of a tricky question I mean I guess I mean or you go Abby Oe in from the start you know if he if he gets a couple of training sessions in also I guess that one of the other things that you may want to consider is off the back of the the game against Fulham was there anything that you know impressed Rosinha there that he may you know make a wholesale change and bring in one of those players that performed well yeah Simmons maybe that's right and so um, I, I did have a go before we went to air at thinking, you know, what's what's the team sheet going to look like? And I honestly have no idea. I think there's so many different ways that that he can go, um, and, and I'm really intrigued to see what he what he runs with. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I mean, look, uh, Tyler Smith's another one. Obviously, getting the two goals against Wigan yeah. may well get a spot, but uh, probably didn't do a whole lot against Fulham. So yeah, that's another one that could go one of two ways. Um, I guess sort of looking at this game then. Um, uh, you know, a bit of form for Huddersfield, good record against us, but, you know, coming off two wins ourselves and I think it's no defeats in in five or six now as well, which is um, really starting to put together a decent amount of form. Uh, what, what sort of mood or what sort of confidence level are you going into this game with? None? Look, the, the, no, no, the, the duck's got to be broken. And I, I think that 
when you've got these teams and there's you know such a a banana skin the perennial underachievers when we play Huddersfield I feel like this is the this is the week where it's uh we're going to fix it because of the momentum surge that we've got and I do think that even though as you said the result against Fulham wasn't exactly what the one that we would have liked and I think certainly flattered them I think we've taken a lot of confidence not just from the the league form but I think that cup ties really um you know really added to the kind of feeling around the camp as well as the fact that um you know there's a couple of new signings on the horizon and as you mentioned uh Ted a returning so I'm optimistic I think we can snatch this one I'm gonna go one nil city yeah I'll, I'll I'll probably back you there I'll, I'll be quite happy with the one nil win um just to just to get another three points on the board um you, you do start to seriously then look at the fact that we're only six points off off the top six and you know yes there's a lot of teams between us but um start to put a few wins together and um, anything's possible we do have Sheffield United looming on the horizon yeah. as well which is um, a pretty tasty fixture as well oh, absolutely the form Sheffield United are in but I've, I'm getting vibes of uh when we went to Bournemouth last season and and took the snatch and grab and I think that Whenever you play a, a team like Sheffield United and you've got a little bit of momentum behind you, you just, um, I guess, the belief grows that you you are a team of that's capable of going in uh, and snatching snatching those results. When when things are going well in football, it's a funny game. Yeah, I mean, you just have to remember. I think it was the Sheffield United game earlier in the season. Um, I want to say it was at nil nil when Oscar gets through on goal one on one with the keeper, and, yeah. and suddenly you're talking a very different game if you put that away. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So we've got that that to look forward to next weekend. Um, but we'll be back to review this Huddersfield result uh midweek next week um and to look ahead to that one. But until then, thanks for joining me, Logan. My pleasure, Alex. Good to be back. No worries, and thanks everyone for listening in as well. This has been the Tigers Down Under, and until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, the Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Odds. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning back cause you're out